Funding for the Hinckley Report and this podcast is made possible in part by the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund and AARP Utah. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report, your weekly political roundup. Additional support comes from State Street, produced by KUER. Hosts Sean Higgins and Sage Miller take a fresh look at politics the Utah way. Get episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or at statestreetpod.org. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Holly Richardson, editor of utahpolicy.com, Sage Miller, politics and government reporter with KUER, and Max Roth, anchor and reporter with Fox 13 News. So glad to have you with us. Big week and a half coming. Max, we're 11 days from the midterms. It really is something, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, just, we're watching so many races closely. I want to talk about the Senate race yeah. for just a moment because the whole country is really watching that one. Um, in our last poll, we had about 12% of Utahns were still not sure about who they're going to be voting for. Talk about what these campaigns are doing to try to appeal to that critical group that they still can get. I mean, the key is who is going to vote. I mean, when you set the stage for a statewide election in Utah, you always have to have this caveat that a majority of voters are already identifying with the Republican Party. And so anyone who's going to beat a Republican has to even get some of those Republican votes along with every independent and Democratic vote. And the wild card in this one is all of those people who are disaffected by Donald Trump and by Mike Lee's support of Donald Trump and who are... but who are Republicans, and will they go with this independent candidate who was at one time a Republican and still has conservative views? Go ahead, Sage. And both of them are conservatives. They're both self-identified conservatives. And if you watched the debate, while there was contention between the two candidates, they actually agreed fairly frequently. And it was the question was more so of how are they going to address it or they went for personal attacks. Yeah. But a lot of it is, yeah, exactly what Max said is, is who is going to show up to yeah. the polls. Yeah. And a lot of people are very much so unaffiliated in Utah. I was looking at some of the voter registration statistics yesterday, and it's a large portion of Utah, especially in these counties that are primarily yeah. GOP. Yeah. Uh, and he, Mike, Mc, 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 Evan McMullen has said that he's trying his best you know, to reach out to those voters that uh, no party has really ever attempted to. Uh -huh. I, well, I think one of the things that's super interesting is the people who are undecided tend to lean moderate. Right, which that, that's not usually what happens. I mean, typically in a race, if you have undecideds, they're gonna not go for the incumbent. They're trying to decide if they ha either are not gonna vote, I guess, or they're gonna go for the challenger. And so that could bode well for McMullen, but we'll see. Yeah, so talk about this, because Max said it was a wild card, true. It's a little bit of an experiment, too, that we have not seen yeah. in the state of Utah before. This, this a third party candidate keeping a race pretty close. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is I think it's kind of taken not only Utah by surprise, but the nation by surprise yeah. that that Evan McMullen has been able to mount a real campaign. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of, um, I would say, momentum. I think the polls show that the gap continues to close. Mike Lee is still in the lead, um, but the gap is closing, and the, those undecideds are moderate, which means the further right Mike Lee goes, the more disinterested I think those voters will become. Mm -hmm. Which is why, Max, I think we're seeing some an interesting variety of endorsements 
endorsements yeah, coming yeah. out. I think some folks are surprised because uh, we have John Huntsman prominently endorsing uh, Mike Lee, and, and John Huntsman viewed by uh, a lot of people as every Utah Democrat's favorite Republican because he tended to be viewed as pretty moderate. And so, um, and, and so for him to support Mike Lee, uh, you know, you, you have a sense that it's about their personal connection because uh, Mike Lee was, was his uh, um, legal, his chief legal advisor for a time and that they have, they have that connection um, because Huntsman even says in the ads that he doesn't agree with Mike Lee on everything. Mm -hmm. who, who does that reach out to? I mean, who, who is persuaded by that? Well, I mean, I think that some of those disaffected Republicans that are, are going to be um, John Huntsman people and also some of the independent moderates. Uh, they like John Huntsman. And so if they're not um, so keyed in on the difference between the views of these two candidates, then they may see something like that and think, oh, well, I liked Huntsman, so I, I, I guess I'll go this way. Okay, go ahead, Holly. Well, I agree with that. I think mm -hmm. he's aiming, he's using the Huntsman endorsement to aim towards the more moderate but undecided voters, but he is also using some other endorsements to continue to shore up his base. Mm -hmm. And when the, the thing that I find kind of interesting about this is when John Huntsman ran for governor against Spencer Cox, you saw in the primary a bunch of Democrats primarily switch their vote to Republicans so they could vote in the primary or switch their party affiliation to Republicans so they could vote in the primary. So to me, that kind of shows that I don't know how much weight this is actually going to carry yeah. when when specific parties and people with certain political ideologies are kind of mobilizing in order to get like what they consider the better candidate on the ballot. And so even I don't I don't I don't know if this is going to actually appeal to moderate or or undecided voters. You know, a couple of things that uh, that kind of are battling in my mind over this race. One is campaign signs, yard signs, and the other is young people. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring them both up is because I live in an area that tends to be more Republican. And so I'm not used to seeing signs for the person opposing the Republican candidate, but there are a lot of Evan McMullen signs in, in my neighborhood. So that tells me that, you know, he's he's got a shot. Um, at the same time, uh, on the day of their debate last week, uh, I was on the campus at Utah Valley University talking to students. I talked to at least a couple of dozen students, stopping them at lunchtime to, to ask them about the, the election. Not one of them was even aware of these candidates and that there was a debate that was going to happen on their campus. And so I don't know if it, <laughs> it, 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 it is, yeah, and, and um, so are those, are those young people who tend to be a little bit more progressive going to even vote? Yeah. I went to up to Provo not too long ago and walked around their campus and just in Utah County in that section of Utah County I saw an overwhelming amount of Evan McMullen signs mm. and when I was walking around talking to students at BYU a lot of them were undecided uh, and very much so on the fence like one of them was like I'm gonna watch the debate and that's where I'm gonna make my decision another one was like I'm gonna wait till all 25 of my papers are due before yeah. I read, yeah. like, yeah. like, right. read up yeah. on this race yeah. um, but a lot of them yeah they, they when I when I was talking to them didn't feel very represented by Mike Lee which I think may be a motivating factor uh, especially for like a young educated population mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead, Holly. Well, I Please. think nationally, one of the things that I've been seeing is that the uh, young voter turnout is expected to at least match and yeah. maybe break previous records. Uh, so that could be interesting, and we'll see, you know, what happens. They're typically the voting block that doesn't show up to the polls, right? They can, they're registered, um, but a lot of times they're unaware or, you know, they just don't know how to do it quite. But but nationally, we're seeing, I think, a surge in young voters saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. go to the polls and yeah. I'm going to make my voice heard. Polling certainly 
certainly seems to suggest that we're going to get more and more of those young people yeah. voting. They could have an impact yeah. if they do show up. I want to do just a couple more comments about some uh, high-profile endorsements and say, just tell me, about, I'm going to give you a couple of these, both for Senator Lee and then for uh, Evan McMullen. So uh, Tulsi Gabbard uh, has endorsed Mike Lee. It's interesting because a former Democrat uh, candidate for president then eventually left the party, became an independent. Yeah, I don't know how much Tulsi Gabbard's endorsement really matters to the people of Utah. There wasn't a very large percentage of individuals who voted for Tulsi Gabbard uh, in the primary presidential election. So, I mean, I think it's good. I'm happy that he has like that motivating support behind him, but I don't, I don't know how much it's going to influence or impact the Utah voter turnout. I just wonder. I mean, she's she's kind of a wild card in politics. I don't know what kind of following she really has, and and I, I wonder what kind of conversations happened within the campaign as to. Uh, about that endorsement and and whether they were really going to embrace it. And you know what I think is yeah. so interesting to me about her endorsement is that we, we have a congressman who is a previous Democrat, but he has that held against him, um, John Curtis, and now he's a Republican. Mm -hmm. So Tulsi is no longer a Democrat. She has not formally affiliated with the Republican Party, but she is now the Republican Party darling. So mm -hmm. like, what is going on yeah. right here? But but it's so close to the election, I'm not sure how much difference it's going to make. Mm -hmm. uh, so Max, just a, just a couple more I want to talk about here just on the, on the Evan McMahon. Mullen side. Mark Hamill's in town, mm -hmm. Michael Steele, Adam Kinzinger. You know what? Three big names. Those are three big names. The big <laughs> name of those three is Mark Hamill. It's weird. It's weird that Luke Skywalker mm -hmm. walked into this race and, oh. and it was a and, and it's a wild card. Vote, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because who who is going to get the eyes? Uh, on a candidate who is not, who, who, who those people who wouldn't normally yeah. be paying attention to politics. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you're going to get your, your Star Wars. He, he's got the force behind him, I that's guess. Right. And, <laughs> but but that's, that's, that's going to be seen on YouTube, and, yeah. and, and kids yeah. will like that. Yeah. I want to take a moment to talk about what's on the line, Holly, okay? Because this is what the people are kind of transitioning to. And even these endorsements are getting to this. This is the balance of power that's right. at stake. And you, 538 website is interesting. They give the Democrats a 53% chance of holding the Senate, this is as of this morning, and Republicans an 82% chance of flipping the House. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that's one of the key things that they're talking about in the Senate race, right? Mike is saying we need to maintain Republican control, or at least as much as possible, so that I can be on committees and have a voice, and, and Evan has said he will not caucus with either party, but he sees, I think, uh, a way for him to be like a Joe Manchin, where he can work with both sides. Mm -hmm. And if you have a very, very tight uh, Senate again, 50-50 or 49-51, he could be very influential. Oh, yeah. if it, even without committee assignments. <coughs> even without committee assignments, right? And, and then when you have, if you have a House that has flipped Republican and you have a Senate that is Democrat-controlled and you have a president that's Democrat, you have to start to see some work together or we just stay in gridlock, mm -hmm. right? So, so can Utah punch above its weight by sending an unaffiliated senator? Maybe. It could be, it's an interesting discussion yeah. for sure. I think it would put Utah on the map, yeah. Yeah. right? I think it already it would, has. Yeah, it already yeah. has. But I think that if Evan McMullen is, go, like, is going to be elected, if he wins this race, I think that does put a lot of eyes on Utah when yeah. it comes to those gridlock situations, when it comes to the, like, the one deciding vote, right. you know? <laughs> um, a very yeah. kind of like Kristen Cinema, who, yeah. you know, at yeah. one point in her life was a pretty strong le like left-leaning Democrat who has then become more moderate mm -hmm. and a lot of eyes have been on Arizona because yeah. of yeah. decisions and, that she needs to make. It could be the most important 
endorsement is the non-endorsement of Mitt Romney because yep. one of the points that Evan McMullen made that had some substance in that debate because there was a lot of just attacking each other in there but one of the points that he made uh, distinguishing him was that he and Mitt Romney would be two Mitt Romney's at that negotiating table he's yeah. one of those Republicans who can go either way and if McMullen's there too then that that there is some clout there so, uh, Max, what, what do you make of this uh, this Fox invitation for uh, another debate between these two candidates? You know, well, first of all, I think they probably saw the first debate <laughs> and saw how they went at each other and thought, oh, well, that, that's pretty good TV. Let's get <laughs> let's get some of that. Um, McMullen, clearly, he is at a deficit in this race. He's the one who needs the attention. He's the one who needs to claw some of those voters away from uh, the Republican candidate. Mm -hmm. And so it's more to his advantage to accept accept that invitation than to Lee's. Lee, you know, it might come back to bite him, but Lee can play a prevent defense because he's ahead. Uh -huh. I want to talk about this experiment a bit, but this third party candidate, because we had a student that submitted a question about this very issue. And Sage, I'd love to have you listen to this and give a comment to the student that's asking this question. Hi, my name is Elise Ellsworth, and I'm a student at the University of Utah. This morning on my way to school, I heard a radio ad against Evan McMullen. I've noticed many ads on the radio and TV discrediting third-party candidate Evan McMullen, but not many ads explaining why we should vote for any particular candidate. It seems to me like a lot of money is going into discrediting opponents rather than focusing on what the candidate plans to do for us. So my question to you is if a third-party candidate has a chance of winning here in Utah. First and foremost, thank you. thank you for listening to the radio. Yeah, yes. <laughs> big fan of the radio. Uh, and second, I, I think that any any candidate has a chance, uh, it, but it's just so hard to be an incumbent. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially like kind of looking at polls, people are kind of moving away from parties. They don't necessarily identify with them. And mm -hmm. so I think if if a third party candidate um, really wanted to kind of claw and pull at that, I think that there really is a chance, but there has to be significantly more momentum. A lot of people need to kind of dis engage with their own parties and be motivated to do something else about it. Mm -hmm. I also think a two-party system probably hinders the ability um, to, for, to, for a third-party candidate to actually make it on the stage, but it's not impossible, right? It's yeah. not impossible. You, you know, another thing, too, is that when you have um, w when you have two candidates who essentially agree on almost everything except how they should uh, how they should behave or how they should go about their, uh, their legislating, then what you have is going after how they behave. It's going after, uh, you go after McMullen for being, uh, you know, anti-Trump, anti anti-Republican because of that, and you go after Lee for being so far, you know, so, so far um, to the right in his voting record and everything else that he tends to be the, the no vote on things rather than the one who's, who's working. And like, like we were saying with Romney, the one who's kind of negotiating in the middle. Willing to compromise. Yeah. Uh, so, Holly, that, this student got into this a little bit on these issues yeah. as well. And I'm kind of curious if, if you're seeing much in terms of the issues, uh, either in the Senate race, but also what's interesting, because I want you to comment about this. By the time the show airs this evening, we'll have had the one and only redo of the Congressional District 4 race. Right. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting is you always have to set up differences between yourself and your opponent, right? So I would say to the student who sent the question, thank you for the question, and also on campaign ads, most 
candidates will run positive ads, but third-party groups, a lot of times, mm -hmm. the outside groups are the ones who are doing the attack ads, you know, where yeah. you've got the black filter over the face, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, they set them up as the devil. And um, those are often third-party groups that are doing that. So. So I think you have to be uh, a little bit cognizant of that too, but but the reason people do it is because it works. Mm -hmm. So I think um, by the time this airs, Burgess Owens and Darlene McDonald will have met. Um, their, their debate, I, I don't know how it's gonna go for sure. I think Darlene is probably gonna be pretty pointed towards Burgess, but but again, because she's running from so far behind, she has to set herself up as, as a, there has to be such a huge issue with the incumbent that you have to vote for her. Uh -huh. Max, this was an interesting one because you know we had, the Utah Debate Commission had a debate. Yeah. Burgess Owens declined to participate because of his, his concerns about the editor of the Tribune being the moderator given a cartoon that they had run. What, what, what do you think is behind this decision? Decision. He had made a decision not to do one. Why do you think he decided to do it now? Uh, well, it saved some face um, because uh, you know some people might think that he was running away from debating. That that might that the Tribune's involvement might not be the the real reason. And so, for people who think that way, he can say, "Hey, look, I'm I'm debating. I'm just you know it really was about that." But you know the the, the other thing is that this is a late debate. Um, I don't know how many people have voted. I haven't checked as of today, but um, but. A lot of people have already voted. He has a big lead. There's not a whole lot that he has to lose, and he can and he can save face. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to talk about our ballots for a second. One of the most interesting things that I think a lot of people got their ballot, they're reading through it, and they said, "What is Constitutional Amendment A?" <laughs> Haven't heard anything about it because usually you'll get a you know something with it with a, a for and against. Holly, we don't have a for and against on this. We just have so the language. Yeah, it's so interesting. So, constitu well, Constitutional Amendment A um, would authorize the legislature when they pull themselves into spe special session, um, which was, I think, a 2019 bill. Um, they can spend five times more than they can right now. So they go from 1% to 5%. Um, and I think what this sets up is um, their ability to be nimble, I think, in their minds, and I think the people who are opposed to it say this is a power grab and, and the legislature is and the executive branch should be working together, especially on mm -hmm. fiscal decisions, right? Even though the legislature, legislature has that ability to, to uh, control the purse strings. But to be able to take this amendment with no for arguments, no against arguments, and just say, hey, can you give us power to you know, spend more money. And reporters have definitely been kind of like digging, like who is for like who is for and against yeah. this bill? I mean, against this amendment, right? And so uh, my reporting partner, Sean Higgins, actually wrote an article about it yesterday where he was surprised to find out, and so was I, that the Utah Taxpayers Association was in support of this amendment. And, and it was because they were like, listen, there's some precedent around uh, needing to spend money in terms of an emergency. Um, you know, COVID was the big, big identifying factor behind that and they in, they were saying in case something like that happens again we want access to this money so we can help stabilize the economy and then you have opponents like uh, Alliance for a better Utah who says no this absolutely is a power grab there should be executive decision-making when it comes to spending this huge amount of money because it's yeah. like it went from millions to like a billion mm -hmm. dollars yeah. right and it's it's something that like the Alliance for better Utah says the governor and the executive branch should have a say in how this money is spent. And I, I think also, you, you two are absolutely right, but I also think the big picture that we've been talking about in uh, this discussion already um, 
of Utah politics, the legislature tends to be more conservative than our governors. Um, we don't have a whole lot of Democrats with power in Utah except in Salt Lake County. So at the state level, um, the, it, the pull, the tug of war, is between the executive yeah. and the legislature. And it, we've had a couple years where there's been a lot of executive power that's been used because we've been in crises. Um, and because of that, uh, I, I think the, that's what's happening. But I think that's the big picture is the legislature doesn't want a strong executive, especially when they're more moderate than they are. Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, for the viewers to know, to, to get a constitutional amendment, you need a two-thirds vote. Right. And that House and the Senate for this to, to go on, which was passed in this last legislative session. But uh, but I'm curious, Max, what you just have to say about what, what Holly just mentioned here. So people are looking at this in 2018, the legislature you know, passed a bill. We also voted to let them call themselves into special session. So I, I think they're, they're, the legislature saying this is just adding to the, their, their toolbox mm -hmm. when they do call themselves into special session, but there's certainly some there. And there's always going to be an inclination. If the vote is I get more power if I vote this way, then that's going to be the, the natural inclination. Uh, you know, that, that uh, we, you know, we know what we're doing and we, we yeah. need more say. And, uh, and so two-thirds of them vote that way. The thing that was very fascinating about that vote to even get this on the ballot, this runaround, um, was that very conservative people of the Utah legislature voted against it. Mm. Like Phil Lyman was like, absolutely not. And so when I was looking at the people who voted for it, I was like, okay, I did not expect this, right? But like the Democrats said, okay, yeah, let's put it, let's put it on the ballot. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, as our ballots are coming in and they're being counted even now, Holly, I wanted you to talk, to talk about election security a little bit. And it's interesting, in our last legislative session, a bill was passed that, uh, that says that observers uh, have to have the right to be no more than six feet from the election process. I want to show this picture here of what's happened in Salt Lake County because I think it's so interesting. The result of this bill, but if people want to go and watch what's happening, yeah. they can. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I have really noticed a lot over the last, uh, it's probably been even six months, is different county officials, um, election officials, have, have opened their doors and said, come do a tour. Mm -hmm. Davis County, Utah mm -hmm. County, Weber County, yeah. right? Come see what we're doing, Salt Lake County. Come e even try your signature and see if we can match it, those types of things. I think because there's some concern about election integrity even though most people in utah think our elections are safe the vast majority actually and most people are going to yeah. vote by mail we've been doing it for years now right so just in case there might be an issue they really have been forthcoming and saying these are all of the measures that we've taken to make sure your ballot is not only secure yeah. but also counted and it, it would be fantastic if, if people go to observe because uh, you know I, i've been to observe these things uh, i also should warn them it's going to be pretty dull. You walk into that room and it's a, a whole bunch of uh, nice men and women who are just sitting down and, and checking their ballots. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's all very quiet. So, yeah. yeah it's pretty boring. Uh, so, Max, as we are talking about election security here, we've got the yellow brick road. People can go watch if, if they would like. It's a big discussion around the country. But in Utah, it, it's clear from our polling that Utahns, by a very far, far majority, completely uh, 
uh, believe that their votes are going to be counted and not tampered with. You know, it's um, it was something like 82 percent. Yeah. I think I'm trying to remember what the number was in the poll, but yeah, it was 89 percent oh, confidence. percent. Okay. More. Yeah, that's that, that's uh, that's quite a high number. Uh, that does mean that 11 percent of people think that votes might be tampered with, and and when you talk about um, what's happening in our society and the anger that we see, that's still a lot of people. I mean, you have a mm -hmm. state with three million people. I'm not going to do the math in my head, but it's <laughs> yeah. but it's hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, it's it's, it's so important, and we have uh, the mail-in ballots. Just for our, our viewers to know, November 7th is the final day to get them postmarked. Although, of course, you can drop them off at the polling sites all the way up until 8 p.m. on November 8th. I want to talk about a couple of the issues that are driving people. But one was interesting this week because it gets right, right to our students. And uh, our, our governor, Spencer Cox, Hawley, was, he, was, was here in the very studio where we are, we are and uh, talked about something he wants to do in this, this next legislative session that really coincides with the executive order from President Biden eliminating a significant portion of student loan debt. I want to read what he said, tell me how this plays, okay? Governor Cox, but being the best of a broken system isn't helping anybody. You know what would help people? A tuition freeze. We should not increase tuition next year. So if you're looking for a headline or something to write, that's something I will be proposing, a tuition freeze. Talk about that. Well, I'm a recent graduate, actually, yes, so I've been paying tuition, or at least certainly in that world. So I think who that plays to are the people who are incurring student loan debt right now, right? Students who feel like that's their only option to get an education or higher education. Um, does it play well with the higher ed community? Probably not so much, right? But I, I think those are policy issues, right, that need some discussion. I, I think the overall, speaking of overall issues that we've looked at in higher ed, is that the cost for students has increased at a rate that the wages have not kept up mm -hmm. with. So students used to be able to have a part-time job, go to school, pay tuition, not go into debt. You can't do that anymore, it's just yeah. too much. Tuition yeah. inflation <clears throat> has been out of control for years. Um, and and it, is a, it is a real problem. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know about the freeze. I mean, I do have a Utah College student living in my house right now. So, um, so tuition is, a, is something that impacts my budget. Holly, I know you have yep. kids that are that age mm -hmm, as yep. well, <laughs> along with your own, your own schooling. Um, but at, at the same time, uh, you know, we have uh, Utah is in a pretty good place. Our colleges aren't as expensive as they are in some other states. Um, so, yeah. I think it's interesting. I was talking to an economic, economics professor at the University of Utah when the, the student loan debt forgiveness yeah. went through, and I was like, so what's the underlying problem here? He's like, the way public, the higher ed is structured. That's kind of the fundamental root cause problem is higher ed's gonna get this money from student loans no matter what. So freezing them might, might kind of juggle it, but people are still gonna take out loans mm -hmm. and the, the higher ed institutions are still going to get that money. And so that was something that was kind of fascinating to me. But additionally, I understand that we raise tuition, but a, a freeze is still gonna have people to take out loans. Yeah. Uh, like those loans are still gonna have to be withdrawn. People are still gonna have to pay them back. And so even even if they were they, there were a freeze, it's still very unattainable for a, a person working, you know, I mean, when I was in college, I worked four jobs, plus going to school full time so, so I could pay it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and I still have debt. <laughs> so. That's gonna have to be the last comment. So insightful this evening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help more people find out about it, please rate it and leave us a positive review.